Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. It is Monday, February 17th up here in Canada. It is family day, so you may hear some, uh, we got some high school musical going on in the background. We're actually getting ready to go see Sonic uh, the Hedgehog movie, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, so you may hear some voices in the background. Please forgive that. I should mention that my name is Ian McLaren. I'm the host of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. You can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Uh, we are, of course, available anywhere you can listen to podcasts, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, etc., etc. If you missed the news yesterday, we are the number five Podcasts for hockey in Kazakhstan. Great success. Today, uh, we're going to mix things up and begin with some news and notes from around the NHL as there was a trade uh, last night that uh, could very well directly affect our Boston Bruins. Uh, we'll also uh, just take a look back at the weekend that was and uh, also update the Atlantic Division power rankings. Yes, indeed, we are one week away from the trade deadline, and the New Jersey Devils provided some headlines yesterday, most notably sending Blake Coleman to the Tampa Bay Lightning for forward prospect Nolan Foote and a first-round pick in the 2020 or 2021 NHL draft. Uh, That pick is um, from the Vancouver Canucks, which was acquired in the JT Miller trade and therefore uh, has some conditions on it as well. Now, Blake Coleman was a guy that some around uh, the Bruins had been mentioning as a trade target. He is a left-hand shot, but uh, he's a 28-year-old forward, 21 goals so far this season, and he's under control for next year at a pretty uh, tidy $1.8 million cap hit, making him uh, even more attractive on the trade market. Uh, Now, Foote was Tampa Bay's first-round pick, number 20. Seven at the 2019 NHL draft. And as I mentioned, the first round pick has conditions on it. If Vancouver fails to qualify for this year's playoffs, New Jersey will receive Vancouver's first round pick in 2021 instead of uh, selection at this year's draft. Now it looks like the Canucks will qualify for the playoffs, uh, meaning it will be a uh, 2020 first round pick. So add it all up, it's the equivalent of two first-round picks, seeing as Foot was taken uh, with uh, the 27th overall pick. Now, Lightning general manager Julian Brisois said, there aren't too many stars that bring as much value as he does that come with a cap hit of $1.8 million. So obviously that's appealing. Uh, the Lightning are obviously one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now, one of the best teams in the NHL. And after last year's disappointment, they are certainly uh, looking to make good on their Stanley Cup aspirations. Uh, Breezeball added, not only will he make us better, more competitive team this year, but he'll also make us a better, more competitive team next year as well. Uh, so for all those reasons, they decided that it was a good decision uh, to make this trade. It was the second trade the Devils made Sunday. They also sent defenseman Andy Green to the New York Islanders for a second-round pick in 2021 and a prospect, uh, David Quenville. But the one that obviously uh, 
relates most to the Bruins is the Blake Coleman trade. As I mentioned, he was potential Boston Bruins target, uh, but more importantly, it kind of sets the market for what the Bruins might expect to pay uh, for uh, a forward in the trade market prior to the deadline next Monday. There were reports on Sunday that the Bruins were in on Coleman and were in contact with the Devils, and I think they might want to keep those lines of communication open now with uh, Kyle Palmieri as the potential target. This is kind of taking a page out of the Lightning's playbook. Uh, He is under contract through uh, next season, so it would maximize uh, the return in that Boston would get him not only for this playoff run, but also next year's as this window you know, won't remain open forever. He does have a $4.65 million cap hit. Uh, but I think if the Bruins were required to give up a first round pick and a prospect, possibly uh, a roster player, then uh, that's certainly doable in this case. If we look at Boston's uh, recent uh, draft history, uh, in the last five years, there's only uh, two players that they have drafted in the first round that are currently on the roster. That would be Jake DeBrusque and Charlie McAvoy. We also have Zach Senershin, Jacobs Borrell, uh, Trent Frederick, Yerho Vakaninen, and uh, John Beecher. Um, and considering the Bruins will likely draft high in the first round again this year, I think it's definitely worth uh, considering uh, flipping that pick uh, possibly a, let's say, a defensive prospect and uh, a roster player, maybe a Danton Heinen for Kyle Palmieri. Uh, and then you would have Kuhlman kind of dropping back and taking over the spot that Heinen is occupying on the third line. So that would give you the perfection line, as a, though we don't really like that name. Uh, then we'd have DeBrusque, Krejci with a right-hand shot in Palmieri, uh, on the second line, a third line of Bjork, Coyle, and Kuhlman, and then Nordstrom, Corrali, Wagner on uh, the fourth line. I think that would be a really um, effective lineup for the Bruins. Keep in mind, they're first overall in the NHL at the moment without really having made uh, many moves uh, from last season's team. And so any upgrades right now would be would be kind of a bonus uh, I think that is where the Bruins should be uh, looking at the moment. Um, again, I think the indications are that they're waiting to see what will happen with uh, Chris Kreider. Pierre Lebrun here on Monday morning tweeting out, the census Kreider contract talks haven't produced a path yet. Still very much in play trade-wise, but I would say normally in these situations, each side would show their true hand about two to three days before the deadline contract-wise. So maybe we'll have to wait till the weekend to see what goes on there. Now, speaking of Chris Kreider, uh, Larry Brooks of the New York Post suggests uh, he and another potential Bruins target uh, may be uh, canceling each other out on the trade market in a in a deal for each other. That would be Kreider and uh, Josh Anderson of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Apparently, uh, former Bruin, former Blue Jacket, and former Ranger, and now current uh, scout with the uh, Jackets, Rick Nash. He scouted yesterday's game between the Bruins and the Rangers, and uh, Brooks suggests the possibility of flipping Kreider, who's a UFA, to Columbus for uh, Anderson, who is an RFA. Now, uh, the Bruins 
the Bruins and Rangers have some trade history in Nash. Uh, the Jackets and Rangers also have an extensive trade history. So uh, I don't know if Nash was there watching one or both of these teams, uh, but that could be an interesting trade and really take off both of those trade targets in kind of one swap. One other trade rumor that I wanted to mention comes from uh, NBC Sports uh, Bay Area. Marcus White, uh, writer down there, he suggests the Sharks could use their salary cap space to target clubs in need of cap room. With Eric Carlson and Thomas Hurdle suffering season-ending injuries, the Sharks now have over 17 in cap room to take on expiring contracts as long as clubs uh, shoot off additional assets as part of the return. Now, uh, he mentions uh, David Backus signed through next season. Uh, he suggests uh, if the Bruins retain some salary they and throw in a kicker, they could uh, get Brendan Dillon from the uh, Sharks uh, in the search for some depth on the blue line. Um, so that would be interesting. I don't know. We all know the Sharks are without their first round pick as they've traded that to Ottawa. So they probably want Boston's in return. Uh, but that's an interesting uh, twist now that uh, Carlson is on long-term IR and that cap space is open. They would be able to take uh, back us off Boston's hands, but also, um, you know, they'd have to deal with him for next year as well. So that might uh, be a bit of a kicker if it was an expiring contract, obviously easier to get rid of than uh, the one he's on now where uh, it carries through to next season. Anyways, let's now take a look back at uh, Boston's weekend that that was a very successful weekend, obviously in that they were able to win both games of the back-to-back matinee schedule, beating Detroit, 4-1 in Boston on Saturday and then winning 3-1 over the Rangers on Sunday. Uh, It was a bit of a chippy affair against the Rangers uh, with Brad Marchand really mixing it up, especially with uh, former Bruin uh, Ryan Lindgren, uh, of whom he said after the game he doesn't expect will have a long NHL career. Uh, Tony D'Angelo of the Rangers kind of chirped back uh, on that quote, tweeting Joe Haggerty, um, kind of debunking that, but uh, kind of a, a funny poke at uh, an ex-Bruin, although he didn't really play much for the Bruins, of course. Uh, the big goal in this one was scored by uh, Charlie Coyle with the shorthanded uh, breakaway goal, which proved to be the difference. Uh, Bruce Cassidy said that uh, goal there was huge. There are Power play wasn't generating much. The fans are on them. All of a sudden, you get that shorthanded goal. That just compounds it. It takes you a while to pick yourself up from that. Uh, They did. Got it going. The Rangers were able to bring it within one uh, until Bergeron got the uh, empty net goal to make it 3-1. But yeah, that penalty kill was huge for the Bruins, especially when you can get a shorthanded goal. Um, That Penalty kill came after the aforementioned tussle between uh, Bergeron. Actually, Bergeron and Lindgren were in on it first. Marsha intervened and cross-checked Lindgren. And then uh, Marshan was cross-checked from behind by Pavel Buchnevich in retaliation. Only Marshan received uh, 
a penalty on the play, which is kind of a joke considering uh, Buchnevich's cross-check was just as egregious, if not more. Um, but the Bruins got the last laugh as on that penalty kill, Poyle, Coyle poked the puck away from Jacob Truba, went on the breakaway, and buried it behind uh, Gordiev to get the goal. Uh, another big story in this one was uh, Charlie McAvoy getting his third goal of the season. It was his second in as many games as he scored uh, also in Saturday's game against Detroit. He now has three goals in his last six games since uh, going 0-4 his first 51 games. Bruce Cassidy said he's starting to shoot the puck more. And when you shoot the puck, it has a chance to go in every time. Yes, we all know, thanks to Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots uh, you don't take. Uh, sometimes they go straight in, sometimes they rattle around. Uh, there's some debate as to whether it hit Chris Wagner. I think he was originally credited with the goal, but uh, it was given to uh, McAvoy, who said they don't ask how. I'll take the bounce. was nice to see that go in. Uh, he thought it was Chris Wagner's goal. Uh, he did a good job to make it difficult for the goaltender to see. Uh, but lucky enough, they got a good bounce and it went in. Uh, and McAvoy now has his third. Uh, the Bruins have now won nine of their last ten. They're eight and one since their bye week. Uh, and they now sit three points ahead of the Lightning uh, for first place in the NHL. Tampa Bay does have a game in hand, but uh, the Bruins still have that cushion uh, with the three-point lead. Uh, Marshan said, we're playing good hockey. We're playing really good hockey right now. Seems like everyone's kind of found the chemistry on their lines and kind of knows where they fit in. We have a healthy team. That's the biggest thing. When everyone's healthy, you're able to practice a lot together and build that chemistry, work on things, get comfortable with the system and the changes we make. We have a lot of depth in our group. Uh, the Bruins now have three games remaining prior to the deadline. Uh, as Marshant said there, they have uh, pretty much a fully healthy roster. Uh, the only player kind of who's uh, you know still working his way back in the lineup is Connor Clifton. He was sent back to Providence on a conditioning loan, uh, but he's not really, uh, I would say, a mainstay in the lineup, especially considering how well Jeremy Lozon has played right now. I think there's still a question there as to who will be with Matt Grizzlick. I do think Sweeney will look to upgrade there with a right-hand shot. Uh, but forward-wise, everything seems to be rolling along pretty well with Kuhlman currently occupying the second-line spot and the line of Bjork, Coyle, and Heinen. Um, obviously, I talked earlier about potential swaps there, and Don Sweeney has, you know, about as the time I'm recording – one week and five hours until the trade deadline to see uh, if he can upgrade there, if he wants to upgrade there. Having that depth going into the playoffs is essential. Uh, so even if Kuhlman isn't uh, there at the moment, you know, injuries could force him back into the lineup. The Bruins now embark on a three-game Western Canadian road trip. They'll be in Edmonton to take on the Oilers on uh Wednesday evening, an 8.30 p.m. Eastern start, which is nice uh, considering it's uh, the, uh, whatever it's called, mountain time zone. And then they play in Calgary on Friday night. Yet another back-to-back -back coming up as they'll be in Vancouver to take on the Canucks on Saturday night, the late game on Hockey Night in Canada. They'll have Sunday and Monday off. 
Monday, next Monday being the trade deadline day before returning to the ice against Calgary again at home on Tuesday night with a yet-to-be-determined lineup. Uh, so that's how things look in advance of, um, yeah, the trade deadline, the schedule coming up this week. Uh, I just noticed that uh, Dom, oh, how do you even say his last name? Lecizuzin of The Athletic posted his 2019-20 projected NHL standings. He has the Bruins currently uh, pegged to come in second overall to the Lightning. Uh, 116 points to 115 points. Uh, 100% chance of making the playoffs. Um, he now has the Lightning at 26% uh, chances of winning the Cup. The Bruins are at 14% at the moment, with the Penguins coming in third at 11%. So uh, he currently has Boston falling to the second spot. Uh, meaning they would either play uh, the Maple Leafs or the Panthers. He has the Maple Leafs sliding up to the third spot uh, in the first round. So it seems possible, if not likely, that we'll have another Boston-Toronto first-round matchup based on how things went last night for the Maple Leafs, uh, losing 5-2 to the Buffalo Sabres, giving up three goals in, um, you know, I think it was like a minute and a half in order to uh, drop that game. Uh, yeah, they don't really scare me all that much. Uh, so I wouldn't, uh, worry too much about Boston falling to uh, second spot. If they s- finish in first, they'll play, uh, likely play a Atlantic division wildcard team. The Atlantic is pretty stacked right now. Um, the second team right now is the Philadelphia Flyers. They're, uh, trail, sorry, they're up on the Hurricanes by one point and trail the uh, Blue Jackets by a point as well. Uh, and all three of those teams are actually ahead of the Maple Leafs. Um, so yeah, with that said, let's look at um, the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. And in fact, let's uh, extend that to the uh, Eastern Conference as a whole this week. Those of you who have been listening to the podcast for quite some time, will have heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. You may not know that Locked On Bruins is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Bruins fans, just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listeners. A Locked On podcast listener, if your company wants to connect with Bruins fans and a predominantly male audience, that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put our company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Again, that's advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So yeah, let's look at the Eastern Conference power rankings at the moment. If we were to go back to the old playoff format, uh, let's just picture that, the old one through eight uh, model. 
the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are third in the Atlantic, would currently be outside of the playoff picture. They are currently ninth in the Eastern Conference with 70 points. Um, but let's kick it back down a little bit. I think we can safely eliminate Detroit, Ottawa, New Jersey, uh, probably even Montreal, as they are eight points back of the Leafs and the Hurricanes uh, in the race for the wildcard spot. So let's scratch them. Sabres, despite that win, we can scratch them as well. We'll begin with the Florida Panthers, um, who are currently 10th overall in the uh, Eastern Conference, four points back of the Maple Leafs, albeit with two games in hand. So if they're able to make good on those, they would draw level with the Maple Leafs, and we'd have a race on our hands for the third spot in the Atlantic. The Panthers are about to embark on a five-game Western Conference road trip. They'll play all three California teams, who are very beatable at the moment, uh, and then Vegas and Arizona before returning home to uh, face the Leafs on February 27th, which will be a huge game. Uh, so yeah, these kind of road trips can bring teams together, and it just so happens that the uh, California teams are very uh, week at the moment. So this could be a very uh, season-defining uh, stretch here for the Panthers, who, as I mentioned, currently 10th in the Eastern Conference, four points back the Leafs with two games in hand. Uh, in ninth place, I'm going to put the Leafs. Uh, they're 31-21-8, and eight, uh, 70 points through 60 games, 5-4-1 and one over their last 10. Uh, Jack Campbell has uh, entered the scene and, and really helped the team stay afloat. While Frederick Anderson um, was injured, Anderson looked very human last night uh, with giving up all those goals to the Sabres um, and the Leafs. You know, if they can hold off the Panthers, then they'll be fine uh, because they will automatically get a playoff spot being third in the Atlantic. But um, yeah, right now they are ninth overall in the Eastern Conference and that Again, begs the question, would you rather, as a Bruins fan, finish first in the um, Atlantic, first in the East, and play the second wildcard team, uh, who right now would be the uh, Philadelphia Flyers at 71 points, uh, a point ahead of the Leafs with a game in hand, or would you rather fall to the second spot and play the weaker Toronto team? Um, so, yeah, it... Um, all depends on your perspective there. Um, it doesn't really matter, I don't think, where the Bruins finish. I think either team that they play will be beatable, although we should all keep in mind, again, what happened last year with the Lightning. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers come in seventh at the moment. They're, um, you know what? I'm going to put the Blue Jackets in seventh, actually. They are uh, at 72 points through 60 games. Uh, so the Flyers have a game in hand on them. Uh, they have a rash of injuries, including Cam Atkinson and Seth Jones. Uh, Elvis Merzilikens has really stepped up and um, uh, is keeping them afloat with some amazing goaltending. Uh, but they may be a candidate to drop out of that playoff picture because we all know the Hurricanes are a very good team, and I'm putting them... Uh, actually ahead of the Flyers and the Blue Jackets uh, at the moment. Recap so far, I've got uh, Panthers in 10th, Maple Leafs in 9th, we'll put the Blue Jackets in 8th, 
the Flyers in uh, seventh, the Hurricanes in sixth. They're at 58 games played, 70 points. So two back of Columbus, one back of the Flyers, but they do have two games in hand on the Blue Jackets, a game in hand on the Flyers, giving them a very slight uh, lead in terms of point percentage. They're at 603, Flyers at 602, and Blue Jackets at 600. So the wildcard race will be very, very tight uh, between those three teams down the stretch. Um, and, you know, if the Panthers can make good on their games in hand, they might be able to sneak into that conversation as well. But right now it seems as though their best chance is to catch the Maple Leafs. Moving up a bit, the New York Islanders are still kicking around uh, as the uh, fifth team. Actually, if you look at point percentage in the league standings, the top five teams are all from the Eastern Conference, beginning with the New York Islanders. They're 33-18-6, and six, an identical record to the Colorado Avalanche out west. Um, although the Avalanche have quite an advantage when it comes to uh, goal differential. They're at uh, plus 43 compared to plus 9 for the New York Islanders. So Islanders continue to dine out on smoke and mirrors a little bit. Um, they're obviously helped by a defensively-minded head coach in Barry Trotz. And, um, you know, the addition of Andy Green uh, really cements that philosophy there. Uh, They kind of grind it out, uh, get some good goaltending. They do have some offensive players, you know, in Matt Barzell, of course, uh, but kind of a grinding team. Uh, Full credit to them for remaining up in the standings for the past, you know, season and more than a half. After losing John Tavares, everyone thought they'd fall pretty quickly, but they are still hanging in there and are a top five team, not only in the Eastern Conference, but in the NHL as a whole. Once we move up to number four, that's where things really tighten up. Uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washington Capitals uh, are the fourth and third teams, respectively. Um, Actually, I'm going to put the Penguins in third over the Capitals. Uh, they have 78 points compared to Washington 79 with a game in hand. Uh, the Penguins also have a plus 39 goal differential compared to Washington's plus 29. Penguins are also 7-2-1 in their last 10 compared to 5-5 and record for the Capitals over their last 10. So Pittsburgh very much within striking distance of the Capitals and uh, could very well take over first in the Metropolitan Division They've been boosted by the addition of Jason Zucker, who looks really great playing with uh, Sidney Crosby. I picked him up in one of my uh, fantasy leagues, and it's paying off uh, pretty well so far. So Pittsburgh fourth, Washington third. That brings us to uh, the Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning fighting it out for first and second, not only in the East, but also in the um, uh, NHL in total. They're the only two teams to have uh, eclipsed the 80 point mark. Tampa Bay has 83 points. Boston has 86. Again, I, uh, reiterate that the lightning have a game in hand on the Bruins. Uh, but point percentage wise, the Bruins remain the top team. Uh, Tampa Bay and Boston also lead the league in goal differential. Tampa Bay's plus 55. Boston is at plus 53. The next closest team is Pittsburgh at plus 39. Um, the underlying numbers really favor both teams lately as well. Uh, if we look at Corsi percentage, 
through the beginning of February until today. The Bruins are uh, fifth in the NHL with a 54.44 percentage. Lightning sixth at 53.71. If we look at expected goals, which again is uh, kind of gauging shot quality, uh, the Bruins are fourth at 57.54. Lightning eighth, 52.61. So the Bruins really uh, stepping up lately and uh, playing well five on five. Uh, and along with their exceptional penalty kill that we saw in effect yesterday against the Rangers and a superb power play, they really seem well positioned uh, to succeed. Um, you know, certainly looks like we are going to face a Bruins Lightning second round. Uh, I mean, let's qualify that again with Blue Jackets. You never know what's going to happen. And that should be an exceptional series, but uh, the Bruins, I don't think, should be automatically discounted as the underdog in that series. Again, it all comes back to what they're going to do prior to the deadline as well. Uh, the Lightning made their move, or a move, on uh, Sunday, picking up Blake Coleman, and now it's up to the Bruins to uh, respond in turn and uh, to bring the show full circle. I suggest Palmieri should be their target at the moment, uh, seeing as he's under control for next season as well. Um, yeah, that's it for today's podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren, proud to be the host of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Uh, thank you for bearing with me today through this uh, weekend recap and kind of positioning the Bruins uh, through the week as we look forward to the deadline. If and when the Bruins do make any deals, I'll try to jump in with quick reaction podcasts. And uh, yeah, we hope to get some more guests on coming up and uh, some insight from others around the league. Hope you all have a great Monday. I'm going to take uh, these couple of nights between Bruins games to uh, keep working through Narcos Mexico season two, which uh, is fantastic on Netflix. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, late breaking news here. Habs head coach Claude Julian fined $10,000 for post-game comments regarding the officiating on Saturday night. He called it embarrassing and poorly managed and said, Tonight, we had to beat two teams, and it was tough. Former Bruins head coach and uh, current Montreal Canadiens coach Claude Julian fined $10,000. Anyways, that's it for today's podcast. Take care, friends. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace.